Amen? His presence is with us. So now let's talk about, we introduced this last week about victory, that third word, that third key word, victory. And we as, as believers, we're born again through Jesus' victory. We are meant to live in nothing less than victory. And what pastor, I know plenty of Christians that have really had a tough life. Having a tough life does not necessarily mean you're defeated. Just by virtue of the fact of us wanting to walk in victory, well, you can't walk in victory unless there's a battle. They don't give out medals for people to sit, sit home and watch television. Who do they give medals to? They give medals to, to soldiers. What does a soldier do? They fight battles. Okay, you fight a battle. Some people, the devil will get you in your head all confused because you get attacked. Isn't it wonderful the way he He'll attack you, and then he'll say, well, look at you, you got attacked. What kind of Christian are you? You're always getting attacked. And we fall for you. Yeah, I'm always getting attacked. We call up three different friends. Pray for me, I'm always getting attacked. You're doing exactly what the devil wants you to do. Whenever you hear anything that comes from the enemy, well, how do I know it's come to the enemy? If it's contrary to the will of God, it's coming from the enemy. You listening? Was it in this teaching that I did the one from column A and one from column B? No, it was on a weekend. It was on a weekend. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes to rob, kill, destroy. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So listen, very easy to discern what's happening in your life. Is it an attack that's coming to rob, kill, and destroy? Then guess where it's coming from? From the devil. Has it come to bring life to you? Then guess where it's coming from? Jesus. If, if whatever, wherever you're at right now, and if there's, a, there's always a flow coming towards us. Always a flow. It's either a flow of grace coming from the kingdom of God, and when there's a flow of grace coming from the kingdom of God, there'll always be provision. There'll always be peace. Now, it doesn't mean there's not going to be any battles. But in the battle, you could still have peace. You listening? In the battle, you said, now, if it's coming to add to you, okay, Proverbs, this is 29.10. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Okay, so I know people, they, they want to get ahead in life and, and, you know, sometimes in the flesh we can get impatient and, and so we get three part-time jobs and you have nothing but sorrow. You say, well, you know, I don't have a choice. No, you have a choice. You can, you can trust God. You can use wisdom. You can, you can let him lead you to the place where provision is. Uh, even if it is another, if you temporarily have to get a part-time job, believe me, uh, I've done all these things. But there's a difference in proceeding into something that's going to bring benefit to you and blessing, then, and then a difference between that and proceeding into something. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're getting ready to make a decision to step into something, and you're like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do this. Okay, if it's going to bring sorrow, and you better back off. Amen. Well, pastor, I don't have a choice. No, you, you always have a choice. You can choose to go the Proverbs chapter three way. Verse 5, acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he'll what? He'll direct your path. Okay? So we're going to notice a lot of this kind of activity as we actually get into the book of Exodus, because that's exactly what the Israelites did. They wanted to go their own way. God told them, go right. No, we feel like we want to go left. All right, go left and see what happens. 
God would tell them, no, don't attack that city. No, we're going to attack that city. Go ahead, attack the city. Let me know how you make out. So they would not acknowledge him. Constant rebellion, constant rebellion, constant rebellion. Okay? But I'm getting ahead of myself. So victory. Now, we talked about this last week because it's an important thing. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. How many remember we ended with this last week? I didn't think so. <laughs> Exodus chapter 1, verse 17. Did I say Exodus? No, Ephesians. Chris, you know better. It's Ephesians. Poor guy's back there scratching his head like, well, there's no, he doesn't have, okay. Therefore, who's writing this? Who, who's writing this? Come on, say it so the ones that didn't know it learn. Paul, writing to, this, to the church at Ephesus, okay? Interesting enough, this church it was very special to his heart. He spent three years there at one point in his life, okay? Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, so we know now that Paul's not the one that established this church. He's writing to them because he heard about them. Okay, he heard about them. Does, has anybody heard about you? Is anybody talking about your faith? Is anybody talking about your prayers being answered? Okay, you come this weekend, you'll find out. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, or another translation say, may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who? Of him, of God. Okay? Now, we, you should be praying that prayer over yourself every day. It gets better. I pray, if, you, if you ever have me on your heart and you don't know what to pray, whip this, whip that, get that prayer and pray that, okay? Uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Okay, go ahead, keep going. The eyes of your understanding. And where are the eyes of your understanding? Are they these eyes? No. They're, they're, they're the eyes of the spirit, okay? The eyes of your understanding being what? Enlightened. So, so, so you can pray this prayer when you come across a scripture that you don't understand. You come across, there's some things in the Bible that are hard to understand unless you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So you can pray that before you sit down with your Bible. Father, thank you that you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you. The eyes of my understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Do you know that there's an inheritance that's stored up for us? Yes. Do you realize that? Okay. It's a, it's a supernatural inheritance. It's there for the taking. It's not like you got to wait for somebody to die. He already died and rose again so that the inheritance could be distributed. You listening? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Keep going. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power Toward us who what? Believe. Okay, so then if I don't believe, there's no power, okay? Uh, the greatness of his power toward us, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Go ahead, keep going. Somebody's got to move their car. I don't know. Somebody's got their car in a fire lane, white car in a fire lane. Three of them? 
I'm not paying your ticket. <laughs> Which he worked in Christ. That power, remember the power. Talking about power, talk, say power. power. Turn to somebody, say power. power. Okay. Which he worked in Christ, the power which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and did what? Seated him in his right hand in heavenly places. Where's Jesus right now? The right hand of the Father, where? Not on earth. Heavenly places. That's where we want him, in heavenly places. Okay, next verse, keep going. Go like this, far above. Come on, come on, come on, guys. Come on, it's not a... Well, you can't. Far above. When I read that, I always picture myself sitting. That's why I always usually stand on the edge here and like my feet dangling because I'm far above. Far above. And the devil's where? Down there someplace. Down there. I I think I could see him because where am I? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Remember last week we talked about this. Principality, uh, powers, might and dominions are different levels and different rankings of evil spirits in the kingdom of darkness. That's a whole nother teaching for another time. Okay? All right? Because you know some of the angels went stupid, right? Okay. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And now we come back to the natural. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Keep going. And he, remember this, he, God, put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. Who's the church? Which is his what? Body the fullness of him, the fullness of Christ, who fills all in all. Where is he? He's seated in heavenly places, but where's his spirit? In us. Filling all. You getting this? Here's here's where we're going. You've already got the victory. You positionally have been placed into a position of victory. Now, whether you choose to operate from there or not is up to you. The Amen. devil doesn't even have a say in that. Amen. He doesn't want you to operate in that. He wants you to be a beggar. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And God's going, what do you want from me? I gave you authority. Amen. What are you wasting time begging me, crying out to me all night? When I gave authority, Jesus gave authority to the church before he ascended into heaven. He's not, he's not meeting your needs. He's not a waiter. He doesn't come and go, okay, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? <laughs> it's already been done. Amen. Let's put it this way. The buffet has already been laid out. Yes. Just go get what you need. You, you getting this? Go get what you need. It's there. You don't have to ask. If my kids came to my house and asked permission to open the refrigerator, I would say, what's the matter with you? Did you get stupid or something? You know what I'm talking about? When I was growing up, my, my mother used to purposely leave the leftovers on top of the stove. She figured, you're only going to go open the refrigerator anyway. I'll just leave it here. I didn't have to walk in and go, Almighty oh, Mother, may I have a morsel. She would have slapped me. 
But that's how some of us do with God. We think we're going to go make this special thing, and he's, okay, let me go make it. I'll be right back. No, it's already done. He placed you in the position of victory just like he placed you in the position of righteousness. There's more, isn't there? Yeah, we're going to go to chapter 2. But God, who was rich in mercy. Now, wait a second before we go there. Who's the church? Who's the body of Christ? He's the head. You got weak there. He's the head. Where the Does the body go someplace without the head? No. Does the head go someplace without the body? No. So then if he's seated in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, and dominion, and we're his body, where are we? Seated in heavenly places. Come on. No, come on, let's do it. Far above. Oh, that looked good. I liked that that time. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. I don't care what they, I don't care what kind of demons they are. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how much power they think they have. When they, they come up to the church, who, uh, the person who knows what the church is, the governing body representative of the kingdom of God on the earth, when that devil comes in contact with somebody who knows who they are, they back off. Why? They don't want to get their butt kicked all the time. But unfortunately, the majority of the body of Christ whimpers. What was that commercial years ago? Whimper, whimper, whimper. What was that? Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy? The trash bags. That's what most Christians are walking around. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. And the, de- the devil loves that. The devil loves that. Hefty, hefty, hefty. <laughs> All right, now let's go to chapter. Now remember, remember, it's an established fact. Listen, I'll camp here all night because if we get this, we're good. You and I have been positioned in a place of victory already. He is the head. We are the body. Where the head is, the body is. Where the body is, the head is. Remember that, okay? Chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, before you even knew him, okay, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Now, he throws it in there just in case we forget. And he saved us. And then what did he do? Look at this. Look at, read the yellow words. Ready? One, two, three. And raised us up together and made us sit together. Where? In the heavenly places. In who? Christ Jesus. And this is something that every religious devil does not want you to know. Wants you to strive. Wants you to, maybe I need to fast for 17 days. Maybe I need to, uh, you know, maybe I need to pray in tongues for 17 hours. Is it good to pray? Absolutely. Is it good to spend time fasting as the Holy Ghost leads you? Fasting in the New Testament is very different than fasting in the Old Testament. Most people fast like they're in the Old Testament to try to attain something. Fasting in the New Testament, you do led by the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Spirit leads you to fast, you fast. Why? Because then you have the grace to do it. When you try to do it on your own, you know how long you last? About six hours. 
And then somebody's going to hand you a Snickers bar. Because you're hangry. So, so where are you? Now, your body's sitting right here tonight, right? Body's right here. Look, look around. Look around. Does everybody get their body here? Yeah. But, but in the spirit realm, we're seated with him. We're seated with him. Now, Paul, Paul is one who grabbed a hold of this. That's why he could say. Now, see, he pulled stuff out of the Old Testament that some other people that wrote in, in, in epistles didn't pick out. He picks out stuff from like, like David. If God be for me, who could be against me? Why? Because he knows we're already, I already got the victory. You see what I'm saying? You've got to see yourself that way. Oh, we'll talk about it some more. All right, so we, we did that verse, what was it, verse four? And raised us up together and made us, all to, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, we might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, try to follow me here because again, I want to get, get past this because actually tonight, I think we're actually going to read from Exodus. Yeah, we might do it. Now watch this now. Again, again. Now why is this important? Because if the people of Israel, other than Moses, Joshua, and Caleb, would have understood this, two and a half million people wouldn't have died in the wilderness. They never saw themselves in the position of victory. Oh man, this would have been a good time for Numbers 13. Should we go there? No, no, Chris, we're going to Numbers 13. Anybody know where I'm going? What was I just saying today, Barb? What was I just saying today about just taking the scriptures and just... Chapter 13, verse 1. Numbers 13. Get on your phone. Come on, come on. Instead of you looking up Facebook and checking your messages, get on your phone. Hallelujah. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving, which I am giving, which I am giving, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. In other words, for every one of the tribes, how many tribes? So how many guys? Okay, so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. In other words, a leader from amongst each one of the tribes, all right? Now, these were their names. I'll go through it real quick. Nah, that's too many. All right, it was all these guys. Verse 16, these are the names of the men who Moses had to spy the land and Moses called Hoshua, the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see that the land is like what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in, you would pay attention, it's going to get good. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Now, wait a second. Let me stop there. 
God had already told them what the land was going to be like. He told them before they left Egypt. He said, I'm bringing you to a land that flows with what? Milk and honey. He said, then another place he said, you're going to live in villages that you didn't construct. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to drink from wells that you didn't dig. You're going to eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. He already told them what the land was going to be like. So he says, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities are, uh, they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, in other words, see if they have walls around them, whether the land is rich or poor, whether they are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the season of the first ripe grapes, because in ancient, well, not in ancient, but just in the Middle East, there are certain areas where they get two harvests a year, okay? Southern Mediterranean, North Africa, okay, uh, the, the Middle East, Verse 21. Now, why would he tell them to bring some of the fruit back? Proof to who? The other two and a half million people. There's only 12 guys going in to buy this out. So he said, bring some fruit back because all your buddies are going to want to know. You know. They didn't have camera phones. They couldn't take a picture next to that big cluster of grapes. Look at me. So they lit up and spied the land from the wilderness of, of Zin as far as Rahob near the entrance of Hamath, like we know where that is. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Okay, now we're getting some familiar names. Ahiman, Shishai, Talmai, the descendants of Anak are there. Who are the descendants of Anak? Who? Giants. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Okay. Verse 23. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol. Okay. Uh, I challenge you, go to your produce section in your supermarket and go to the grapes and go to the oranges and go to these things because you will see a stamp there with a picture of two guys with a pole between their shoulders carrying a cluster of grapes. It comes from this story. Okay, we'll get there. And they came to Valley Eshkol, Valley of the Cluster. And they cut down a branch of, of, with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between two of them on a pole. One cluster of grapes. You go to the stopping shop right now tonight. First of all, they look like half raisins. <laughs> Somebody got that. And they still want $6 a pound. They cut down one cluster of grapes and carried it between two of them. They also brought some of the pomegranates. I would imagine they had to roll the pomegranates. Okay, and figs, okay? So if there's figs, then this is probably in the fall, all right? The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down. So today, today, the symbol of Israeli agriculture is two men holding a pole on their shoulders with a cluster of grapes in between, okay? And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And I say that number 40 is always going to show up. It always shows up in Scripture. Number 40 is always a time of testing or transition. They're transitioning. They're going from slavery into freedom. They're going from Egypt into the promised land. So you're always going to see that 40 days, 40 years, okay? How long was Jesus in the wilderness? 40 days, 40 nights, okay? You, you see that number there? And so they returned after spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. 
Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And I'm sure the two guys stood up. When, Nevertheless, here, here, here we go now. Now we get in trouble. Amen. Now they get in trouble. Because you see, God sent them in a position of victory. But they didn't maintain the position of victory. As soon as they saw one thing that would be an obstacle, they backtracked. Okay, watch. It's going to get good. Where was I? 27? Yeah. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. Well, he told them, you're going to live in villages with, with walls that you didn't build. They should have been surprised. He warned them. He told them ahead of time. And uh, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the giants, okay? The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by this. This is nothing new. God spoke this to Abraham 430 years before this. He told him, these people are going to be in the land. You're going to dispossess them. Why is it? Oh, man, this is good. Why is it that when the Holy Ghost shows us things? See, now, we love the Holy Spirit when he shows us good things. We want the Holy Ghost every day to show us a picture of somebody coming to your front door with a briefcase full of cash. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says... Strengthen yourself. You're coming into a rough season. Oh, I don't know. God wouldn't tell us that. Oh, no, no. The Holy Ghost, Jesus said, will show you things to come. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good things. Okay? Maybe if we have time, we'll go back to Genesis chapter 15. But let, let's hold on. Remember that, okay? Somebody remember Genesis 15. Okay. Then Caleb, here's the, here's the one guy with wisdom. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we're able, well able to overcome it. Amen. Well, well able. Yeah. Well, what, did, what is Caleb doing here? Caleb's going, hey, if we let this guy talk anymore, he's going to talk everybody out of going into the promised land. So he's like, he's got to turn their attention, turn their attention. Um, all four deliveries of our children, I was in the... Uh, what do you call it? The delivery room. And when the pains would hit her, and she, I would have to do this. I'd have to grab, literally have to grab her face and go, look at me, look at me. Start breathing. <laughs> Start breathing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, we had so many kids. By the time the last one came, they wanted us to teach the class. What, what are you doing? When you do that, what are you doing? You're trying to divert the person from the pain and get them focused again. That's what Caleb's doing. That's what Caleb's doing. He's trying, he's, the whole congregation, stop, start breathing. <laughs> then Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, let's go up now. Let's go right now. Let's go right now. Let's go right now. Don't listen to these guys. Let's go right now. But we're well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Who told them that these people were stronger than them? They don't know this. They haven't fought a battle yet. They're just going by what they saw. 
And that's why the enemy will bring spectacular, horrific things to you to get you to move, to get you to take your attention off of God, your Father in heaven, who's already made provision for you, and get it on the circumstance. Amen? For we're not moved by what we see. We're moved by what we believe. Okay? This is good tonight. You glad you're here? We're not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through, now they're really going to get dramatic. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devoured its inhabitants. Now, now did they listen to what they said? Because they just saw, they just said, we saw the people that lived there. Well, which way is it? Is the land devouring the people or are the people there? If the people are there, then how could you say the land is devouring the people? Is it only me or what? The people are there. The land which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. No, it's not. God said it's a land that flows with milk and honey. And all the people who saw it, uh, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giants. Look at this. This is where they condemned themselves. This is where they condemned themselves. Look what they said. Look what they said. And we were like grasshoppers in whose sight? In our own sight. And so we were in their sight. But look at, look at, look at, look at the, the way this, this plays out. We saw ourselves like grasshoppers. And so they did too. Because the enemy is looking for you to say, what the situation is. Because as soon as you say what the situation is, and he goes, I got you now. Now I'm going to roll out my strategy. Now I'm going to roll all over you. Now, and what happens? They, look at, if you go into chapter 14, they spend the entire night wailing and crying because of a, 10 guys, 10 guys turn the destiny of two and a half to three million people around because they couldn't keep their mouths shut. Forty years later, they come to the same spot. Go read it. Joshua and Caleb. It's so cool. And Caleb says to Joshua, who now God's given the opportunity to split up the land and divide the land. Caleb goes, I want those mountains. And Joshua goes, oh, Caleb, there's giants in those mountains. And he goes, yeah, I'll take them too. And this guy was so tough, his two daughters go and take the mountain. His daughters go and take the mountain. He's probably, had him probably enrolled in that Taekwondo stuff. And listen, he's 90 years old by the time he comes back to these mountains. 90. Amen. Well, you know, at my age. Well, you know, at my age. Amen. Hallelujah. Now watch this now. This story would be completely different. If they would have saw themselves as victorious, it doesn't mean the battle would have went away because they still had to possess the land. God said, I'm giving it to you, but you got to possess it. God laid out salvation for you and for me, but we had to what? 
possess it. How do we possess it? By faith. God's laid out healing for you. He's made it available. But what do you got to do? Possess it. Are you getting this? Turn to somebody and say, you got to possess it. It doesn't fall out of the sky. You possess it. Well, oh, God is going to do everything for me. God makes everything available. But listen, listen, listen. But he wants you and he wants me to, to experience the thrill of what it is to go possess what God said is yours. Don't you know when you give somebody something for nothing, it doesn't mean anything to them? He wants us to experience the thrill. He wants to experience that, that feeling of, oh my God, this is real. I spoke his word and it came to pass. He wants you to experience the thrill of what it is for you to go bring salvation to somebody else so that they can possess it. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were to them. What a disgrace. Every one of them died in the wilderness because they spend the next chapter, they spend the next day or so crying out, crying, complaining. We should, why didn't we just die in Egypt? Were there no graves in Egypt that you had to take us out of here? Man, they better thank God I wasn't God. But I'll tell you what, he goes, he says to Moses, get out of the way. Get out of the way. I'm going to nuke every one of them. I'll, I'll start a whole new nation with you. He said, just as they said, is going to happen to them. Every one of those people, whether it's two million, two and a half million, three million, depending on who you, who you read after, that's a lot of people. Only two of them, walked, only two of that generation walked into the promised land. Their children got it. Their children had the honor to walk into the promised land. Even Moses didn't make it. He got to see it, but he couldn't walk in it because he let them get to him. Yeah, chew on that one for a little bit. He let the people get to him. Hallelujah, pastor. Are you going anywhere with that? No, I wouldn't dare. Not right now. <laughs> now watch this now, because this is important. I'm sorry. We read some Bible tonight, though. We'll get to Exodus next Wednesday, but watch this now. Watch. Let, let's talk about this victory thing. Okay, so This is important, because most people are not walking in the position of victory. Most of us, the devil is convinced, well, you've got to strive, and you've got to fight, and you've got to battle. And you've got to... I'll never forget one time, years ago. Oh, this is a long time ago. Uh, an evangelist, who was very famous in his own eyes, came to this area <laughs> and was determined that every sinner in this area was going to get saved and planned out a whole bunch of things and all kinds of events and all this kind of stuff. And held a meeting and... Uh, the church, our church was very, very, we were only maybe three years old, four at the most. And so I was invited to come to this meeting. I knew this person. We went to the same Bible school together. And so I take our young man that was here uh, active in ministry with us, eventually became one of our youth pastors. He and I went to this meeting. Um, I think it was at your famous pizza place that you like there. What is it? The, in Neptune. Pete Nelda's. Yeah. So I go to this meeting, and there's a few other pastors there. And this guy starts going, we're going to come to your churches, and we're going to have all-night prayer meetings, and we're just going to cry out to God and beg God to move. And I went, beg God to move? Since when does God not want to move? 
I said, you're going to do what? Yeah, we're going, to teach, we're going to teach your people how to beg God and how to cry out to the Lord. And I went, are you kidding me? I just spent the last three, four years trying to teach my people how to have faith and have confidence in a God who wants these things. You think God's in heaven going, oh, come on, twist my arm, twist my arm, twist my arm, twist my arm. <laughs> but you see, we, won't, we laugh, but many of us sometimes subconsciously think that's how God is. Like he, I love when I see these Facebook posts. If we could just get 1,000 people to pray. Out of those 1,000 people, how many people do you think is really praying in faith? How many people do you think are really praying in faith? I'd rather have three people who know the word, who I know have a trusted track record, and say to them, hey, come on, let's get together. Because if, if one could put 1,000 to flight, two can put how many? 10,000. How many can four put to flight? Come on, numbers guys, numbers people. You see what I'm saying? Let's cry out to God, cry out to God. I heard a first on the radio, man, if I could have put my fist through the radio in the car. She was talking about how this missionary died overseas or something. If, if, we, could have got, if we could have got a few more people to pray, maybe God would have spared his life. God's going up there. No, come on, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Joe, if you don't pray, I'm going to kill him. What warped perspectives we have about God. And that's what happened to these people. They, when they had the opportunity to have a correct, biblically accurate perspective of their lives and who they were to God in heaven, they chose to become grasshoppers. You know what you do with grasshoppers? You feed them to lizards. That's how much value they have. You listening to me? Who are you? Are you a grasshopper? No. You have been called to be more than conquerors. You've got the spirit of the warrior himself living on the inside. You've got the one who in the Old Testament showed up and slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers like that. Now, if you'd start seeing yourself that way, when anything pops up, you go, oh, excuse me. You obviously don't know who I am. You remember the, the seven Shkiva boys in the book of Acts? They were trying to imitate the Apostle Paul. They saw the Apostle Paul walking in that position of victory, getting people set free from evil spirits, and they tried to do it. And the devil spoke out of the man and went, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who the heck are you? Beat them up, stripped them naked. They went home crying like little girls. Should I not have said that? <laughs> Watch this now. <laughs> I get had laugh so I can take a drink. <laughs> but you know I'm telling the truth. Now watch. I started talking about this last week and just introduced it. This victory thing that we're talking about starts out positionally. I'm going to read it right down. The way I got it, I'm going, to, I'm going to read it. We start out positional, and then it becomes experiential. See, Caleb was trying to get them out of the positional into the experiential. That's why he said, no, come on, let's go now. Let's go now. Forget, don't even go home. Don't go home. Don't get an extra pair of underwear. Forget about bringing a lunchbox. Let's go right now. Let's take them now. What was he trying to do? Get them out of just thinking about it, maybe speaking about it, 
and into the experience. But it always starts positionally. Okay, now watch this now. Are you, are you getting this? Yes. What do I mean by, by positional? We start out with believing it, talking about it, before we experience it. Because if you don't believe it and talk about it, you're not going to experience it. All right? The woman with the issue of blood. Follow the pattern. It works every time. She heard about Jesus. What'd she hear? He's raising the dead. He's healing lepers. He's opening up blind eyes. The deaf hear. The, the lame walk. She heard about. She heard. Say she heard. She heard. Now, I'm sure other people heard too. But with her, when she heard, she believed it. How do we know she believed it? Because the next thing she started doing was speaking it. What did she say? If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. Now watch now. She's not healed yet, but she's got the confidence. So she's positionally, she's victorious. But now what does she do? She leaves the house. She finds out where he is. She crawls between this multitude of people that are there. Because all she needs, she doesn't want to bother him. Because all she needs to do is what? Touch the, the tzitzim, the fringes of his prayer shawl. That's all. Because those fringes represented the word of God. Go study it. Okay? All she needed to do was grab a hold of the, the fringe. And when she grabbed a hold of that thing, he goes, who touched me? Who touched me? Say, well, well Jesus was just fooling around. No, he would have been a liar. If he actually knew what happened and he said, who touched me, he would have been a liar. You think Jesus is a liar? Yeah. Well, well, Jesus is God and should know everything. Well, then how come when he left earth, he said to them, only the Father knows the day and the hour, not even the Son? Right. Why? Because he operated on this earth as a man Amen. filled with the Holy Ghost, just like you and I. Because if he, if he operated as God, guess what? You and I can't follow that example because what? You're not God. I'm not. You see what I'm saying? He had to operate on the earth just like you and I. The Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost and being led by the Holy Ghost. You listening to me? If he knew everything and could do everything on his own, then why didn't he heal everybody at the pool of Bethesda? It says in that place, it was a multitude of sick people, but he only went to one, one. He was called to that one. The Holy Ghost led him to that one. If he would have tried to do anything else, he would have been disobedient to the Holy Ghost. Now you say, why? Because he's setting an example for me and you. So, faith comes by. So we must find out what God says, then speak what God says. Then we begin to actually walk in the victory in the natural. But it all starts with knowing what God said. Believing what God said, speaking what God said, then see the reality come to pass. Now is when we walk in what God said. Now, let's go back to Numbers 13. Back before they left Egypt, God said to Moses, tell the people, I'm bringing them to a land that flows with milk and honey. They're going to inhabit cities they didn't build. They're going to live in houses they didn't construct. They're going to drink from wells that they didn't dig. They're going to eat from vineyards that they didn't plant. Okay, now, when they got to the edge of the promised land and the 12 went in, when they came back, instead of saying to the people, we're not able, they should have said, look, 
there's some pretty tall people here. And there's some, there's some walled cities. But the nevertheless should have been preceded by But God said that every place we put the soles of our feet, he's given to us. (coughs) They should have said, but it doesn't matter because God said he's giving this land to us. They should have said, these are the cities he was talking about that we're going to live in that we didn't build, that houses that we didn't construct, wells that we didn't dig, vineyards. Look at the size of these grapes. That should have encouraged them to speak what God had said about that land already. But what did they choose to do? They went in the opposite direction. And they shipwrecked an entire generation of Israelites. They had the opportunity to set themselves in the position of victory. I'll tell you another time when it happened and it went the right way. Anybody heard of a king named Jehoshaphat? Man, this is good tonight. This is awesome. Okay? He hears there's armies coming against you that you can't even know. If you could number the sands of the sea, that's how much. There's more of them than the sands of the sea. And guess where they're heading? Right here to Jerusalem. They're coming to Judea. They're coming to Jerusalem. He starts to like, okay, this is a serious problem here. But I would imagine when we get to heaven and we talk to him, say, hey, Joshua, come sit down. Come sit down. What was going through your mind all the time? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I was... It shook me a little bit when I heard how many, how many soldiers, how many armies were heading towards Jerusalem. He said, but then I caught myself. And then I said, hell, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Call all the people, tell them to come in. We're going to have a prayer meeting here. And what did he do? He positioned himself in victory. And they began to minister unto the Lord. And he prays a prayer. Watch this now. Because remember we talked about reminding God of the track record? He prays a prayer and reminds God what God said to Solomon hundreds of years before when that temple was dedicated. He almost word for word says what Solomon said to God. Like when we pray from this place, you said you would answer us. And you would rescue us. And what happens? As he's ministering unto the Lord, Somebody in the crowd, I don't remember if it says the name of the person, somebody in the crowd gets a message from the Holy Spirit and says, uh, King, Mr. King, this is what we're supposed to do. He said, God said, tomorrow go down to such and such a place because that's where the army's coming from. And he says to them, put Judah in the front, the tribe of Judah, put the people from Judah in the front. What does Judah represent? Praise. Praise praise. So what did they have to do? Oh, this is so good. (laughs) They had to position themselves as victorious. And he said, they're not going to need to fight. Just show up. And he said, this is what they're to say. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord, come on, come on, come on. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Again, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And it says that as they praised God, as they, were, as they positioned themselves as victorious already, the armies began to ambush each other. They turned on each other and they spent three days gathering up all their stuff, all the loot. But why? Why? Because they positioned themselves as victorious. 
They listened to what God. The same people in Numbers 13 could have did the same exact thing. They would have got to the promised land 40 years sooner. Oh, God was just trying to teach them something. No, no, no. It was their choice. God had already brought them right to the edge of the promised land. What do they have to do from this point? You watch, go look at the maps in the back of your Bible. They start going out like a hurricane in the ocean. They start going this way and start going that way. and start. They wander for 40 years until every one of that generation died and their bones are probably still in the desert. Who went in? Joshua and Caleb. Caleb, the bulldog. Joshua, the general. They went in. And the children of the two and a half million that came out of Egypt. What a pity. They saw such spectacular things done in Egypt. But when time came, they totally forgot about it. They forgot the God that they were serving. You got it? Yes. Got to stop here. You coming back next Wednesday? Yes. Amen? Amen? Listen, if you need prayer for anything, 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 don't go home and take the burdens with you. Come up here. There's people that will pray for you. You can go home and sleep really good tonight. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That in you, that in you I, have I have the victory. I have the victory. I, have the victory. I, am, victorious. I am victorious. I am more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. Through Christ who loves me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Position yourself like victorious. Amen? Praise God.